It's Tennessee Titans talk. I was just telling the guys, probably my favorite week of this podcast is after the NFL draft, the dust settles, big fella and Landon do as well as anybody in the podcast space, thinking about it for several days and having great hits that you haven't heard before. We always love the draft. Of course, this has been a huge draft for us because we traded one of our best players and we did a lot of interesting stuff. We drafted a quarterback, a really big Titan-centered sort of draft. That's been fun, also terrifying. What's also been scary is we didn't have the big fella. He was on vacation last week and then he's been on business and now he's finally back with us in Nashville. Big fella, were you able to breathe at all this weekend? Oh, no, not a bit. You know, we got back on Saturday, and while I was on vacation, my boss asked me to go out of town on Monday morning, so I pretty much did laundry all day Sunday, tried to put into context everything that happened for the Titans over the weekend, and hit the ground on Monday morning. So guys, let's get into it. Let's. We've had a few days to think about it. This is where the Titans superfan goes <clears throat> to really hear that next level. Landon, let's start with you. You've had some time to let it marinate. Anyway, you want to come, whatever angle you want to come with on AJ Brown, let's hear it. It sounds like the methodology and thought process we thought J-Rob in the front office had when they made that trade is what ended up driving AJ Brown away in the first place. So it sounds like we didn't give him what he wanted. We wouldn't go up to what they countered with. And they essentially just cut off all contact and threw out an offer where they won like 80 million guaranteed, which is outrageous for any player that isn't a quarterback and especially a receiver that isn't the best at his position. So it's pretty much, he was kind of forcing his way out and he kind of felt disrespect. I can understand that because the way the Christian Kirk deal just screwed everything up and it sounds like they put in some games played stipulations into it and he's missed i believe three games the past two years so he'd be upset about yeah. that but it sounds like in the day the nfl is a business aj brown is a great guy it would have been awesome for him to play his entire career in two-tone blue potentially be a hall of famer but you got to think with your heart with your head not with your heart and sometimes that means you alienate the best young player you've ever had and you trade him away because you don't have infinite cap room and you have to make tough decisions this is such a tricky one, big fella, because there's not a whole lot of recent history on this to compare it to. The other guys we've seen be traded this summer, they're, they've already signed their second contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a little bit older, uh, but they are a little bit more of a known quantity. Just to watch him on the field, he had rare strength, rare explosiveness. What a gamble. I mean, what a huge risk to trade him. They're, they could wind up being right, but it's just so unique. Yes, he says, which he doesn't show a lot of maturity. I mean, I like him and still wish him, you know, well uh, in Philly, but he doesn't show a ton of maturity. Like, oh, I would have taken 22. If you'd have taken 22, call your agent and say, I'll take 22. You might still right. be here. Landon says the money's big, but the way NFL contracts are, it's only two, it's less than two and a half years guaranteed. So even if he had gotten injured or something bad happened, it's not like, in the in Major League Baseball or uh, the NBA where it's like, oh, this guy signed for five years, right? So I don't know. It's like I go back and forth. I'm kind of glad that he went to a place that they don't run, they don't pass any more than we do. I'm just so worried that if he goes somewhere and be like really prolific. Uh, but I guess that's where my mind goes. I just think of something different all the time. And we didn't get huge value for him. Oh, I'm just all over the board, big fellow. How do you feel days later? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's still a bitter pill to swallow, but I really think, number one, I think a deal could have gotten done, but I think Tannehill, I think he's the cog in this machine. 
Uh, I remember we talked last year when the news broke that he restructured his deal so that we can make that AJ, not the AJ Brown, sorry, the Julio Jones trade work. I told you guys, I I said, this is going to hamper us in the future. I'm afraid we're not going to be able to sign free agents. I'm I'm afraid it's going to put too much money in the quarterback position. And, you know, that's a big part of what happened. Based on the way that the the end of the the season ended for us and for Tannehill, you know, a lot of reports came out that he was not mentally okay for a long time based on how that last game ended and kind of alienated himself from the team. And he isn't showing a lot of those characteristics, right? You know, the characteristics of a true leader right now with his comments about Malik Willis and how it's not his job to mentor him. And we can probably go on for an hour or two about that specifically, but um, I really just don't think Tannehill is being a true pros pro right now. AJ Brown made cryptic tweets uh, throughout the whole entire off season. And even, especially when Marcus Mariota signed in Atlanta he made a post on Twitter that said that Marcus was the best leader he's ever been around. I mean, I think that's a, you know, he said it wasn't an indictment of Tannehill, but it's not an endorsement of Tannehill. So I think Tannehill, he, you know, he's not humble. Like Marcus, that's one thing you can always say. He was a humble guy and he was appreciative of every second that he was in the league. I mean, I just kind of like Tannehill was lightning in a bottle in 2019 J-Rob kind of floated some peanuts to Miami and kind of made it happen, and we got so lucky. But he's not like the superstar or the face of the franchise that, you know, that needs to be it. He's not, you know, his play isn't to the level of Aaron Rodgers or Mahomes, and, you know, he doesn't have that superior leadership set of skills. Um, And I think part of that pushed A.J. Brown out, you know, financially, leadership-wise, and, you know, maybe if, he were a better leader, maybe AJ would have stayed for, you know, a reasonable deal. I mean, it's just, my mind keeps going all over the place with this, but it always ends up stopping at Tannehill. Maybe our front office should have been more patient, Landon, but I think what ultimately pushed out AJ Brown was the three weeks that he or his agent did not speak mm-hmm. uh, to the front office at all and didn't wiggle at all on the demands and was, was making cryptic tweets uh, I think that I think they just didn't want to deal with them. Now I, I think sometimes you got to handle talent, but I guess we'll see. Uh, boy, they took a big swing there, and it could work out well. I watched three YouTube highlights of every snap of uh, Traylon Burks against Alabama, Texas A&M, and Auburn last year, and I did feel better. He is not AJ Brown, but he is going to be woo, really scrappy. He's a little smaller, less explosive, but this guy is such a baller. Mentally, he's very different. I mean, this guy would drop passes, stuff would happen. He is right back there. And when the game mattered, and, I mean, Alabama keyed on him, he is hes a handful. He is a perfect Titan. And I think he's a guy that's going to be okay with if he gets 900 yards and leads us in receiving with a guy. He is just tough as nails. He is athletic. He's explosive. He's got good size, but he's not great in any of those. I just think, and they lined him up all over the field. So, yes, he's not A.J. Brown. People don't have that expectation. But the guy is going to come out and be a pretty good NFL receiver, I think, immediately. I don't want to jinx him. He looked, boy, he took a lot of hits, and he kept getting up. Uh, I think he's going to generally be healthy. Landon, to Big Fellow's point about the Tannehill stuff, 
Do you think to a certain degree, maybe not on every note, that maybe our front office agrees? Because we could have saved some room this offseason and for this coming season if we just push more of that money back for Tana. But we're not. We're leaving ourselves the option to move on from him after 22 and for sure after 23. Uh, we could give more flexibility. There, There is not a... 100% vote of confidence for, for Ryan Tannehill in the front office. There certainly isn't with Big Fella. <laughs> I mean, these questions were being asked the moment he threw that third interception and we lost our best chance to ever win a Super Bowl, probably. I mean, I talked about it in the reaction pod we had like two weeks later. Like, if you're in that locker room and you've been around this guy several years and in the playoffs, when you've won, it's because the defense played lights out and Derrick Henry rushed for 180 yards per game. And the three times you lost, the offense sputtered out. Okay, the Chiefs game, the defense kind of fell apart. The other two games, the defense played really well. And the offense and Tannehill were at fault. Not all Tannehill, but in the day, he's been the main reason why we've been losing in the playoffs. And especially this last game when... Outside of Tannehill and Downing, everyone played their best game you could possibly play. Maybe you can dock Henry for being rusty coming back, but and we should have run for him and more, but that's on Downing. Two guys lost us that game. I said in the reaction pod, like I know it's like the NFL, you have to forget and move on, but I mean, like if you just think about how the stars aligned and how every team remaining, if we beat the Bengals, we blew out. Like we blew out the Rams who won the Super Bowl. Like you just have to wonder, like, God, we had that chance, and this guy across from me through the game. Like, how can you have confidence in him? And I don't think he's a bad guy, but it's like, either you have to be Brady, Rodgers, you have to be this all-time great that's earned several mulligans of poor play to where you can say, yeah, he hasn't lived up to standards recently, but he's also been that guy before, so we he has that potential. But Tannehill hasn't done that, so it's like... Is he really that guy for us? And I don't think the Marcus Mariota comment is entirely fair because Mariota right. is one of the greatest guy, one of the greatest people to ever play in the NFL. And I'm sure AJ Brown was just excited for Mariota to get an inside shot at starting again. Oh, sure. But it's right. I'm sure there was some like backhanded. Yeah, there were some undertones. Because you could have think so. Because yeah. if Tannehill were a better leader and their relationship was better, he could have phrased it in a nicer way you could have said like one of the best leaders one of the nicest people deserves this chance blah 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 but he didn't i i also think we didn't restructure him just because even just in general just kicking the can down the road is a strategy that can really hurt teams down like we've seen with the saints so. and eagles like the saints lost one of the best left tackles in the game an up-and-coming young safety simply because they don't have money and we have this talent on our roster to where we don't want to be in that position where we restructure Tannehill to pay A.J. Brown a bajillion dollars. Then we have to pay Simmons and then Long and Hooker and Fulton and Nate Davis and all these guys are leaving. And it's like, well, we have these couple stars, but now we're in a worse spot. So it was just a rough co combination of factors that are just really inev inevitable unless you're lucky and have a superstar quarterback. Because otherwise, you're either getting lucky on a rookie deal, which hopefully is in our future, or you're likely having to pay big money for a guy that needs 
help around Tim and probably isn't that guy come playoff time. Well, I, I agree. And honestly, I know I've said this before, but I feel differently about Tannehill. I think we could have won a Super Bowl with Tannehill. Um, I blame Mike Rabel for letting his coaching staff put the game in Tannehill's hands. They clearly did. And you made a great reference earlier, Landon, to how you could feel it slip out of our hands. And mm-hmm. everybody else on that field for us was Super Bowl ready. I mean, they were. They battled back. They did this. And when he threw the third interceptions, I was more surprised that we threw the pass uh, that yep. was picked. I could not believe it. And I'm still mad about that. Vrabel is the reason why we got the bye. I mean, the coaching work that he did with all those injuries and is a testament to uh, Robinson giving him something to deal with. I mean, and I, he absolutely earned that trophy that he has. But that play calling from the first offensive play call to the last one is inexplicable. And it is more the reason that we didn't advance than Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill should be a known quantity. I think he would have taken off and run. We could have, we've won games, big games, cold weather games, late games, playoff games with him passing 12 times, 15 times. I don't know where that was. And I'm still angry about that. Tannehill is obviously shell shocked from it. I mean, it's like he is having issues with it. He's not being himself. I think he's a really hardworking guy. I think he's a really nice guy. He's a family guy. He might as well be, um, he has more in common with AJ Brown's father than he does AJ Brown at this point. He's a family man. He's been around a while. The difference between 32 and 22 or 33 and 23 is, is vastly different. I don't think he's a leader. I don't think he's a really outgoing guy. He doesn't seem to be. He seems like a really hardworking guy and everything. And Mariota is like this presence. You know, he's soft spoken and everything, but he is just like this presence. And uh, I think it was both. I think it was a compliment and it just excitement for Mariota. And I think it was a little back in it because everybody should know. It's one of those things. If you compliment another quarterback that isn't yours, it's an insult to your quarterback. So you think it, you don't say it, which would have been great advice for Ryan Tannehill yesterday at that press conference. You think it, you don't say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as far as being a quarterback goes, either you're a great person like Marietta, Alex Smith, you're a great leader, which, I mean, you can just name a bajillion of them, or you're a great talent to where, like, Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers seems to be pretty abrasive and pushes people away but it's like when you get on the field he's a top three quarterback and you don't care about that he can be a jerk all you all he wants and come when you're on the field he's going to get you the ball and he's going to play like an mvp and Tannehill doesn't really fall into any of those categories right the rogers can back it up and i feel like Tannehill saying that like it, it to me it's not genuine it's not it's not genuine he's trying to be somebody else he's trying to be like how Brett Favre was when Rodgers was drafted. Cause I think Favre said the same exact thing. And, you know, he's trying to be like Rodgers to Jordan Love. And, you know, he just wants to, I guess, legitimize, uh, you know, his status somewhere. And, um, I mean, maybe that's part of therapy for him. I, 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 I really don't know, but, um, it, it, it just, it, it was weird all around for me. Well, guys, let's go ahead and move on. Just so I, one thing that kind of gets at me is like, in the local national media, it's like they talk about maybe the first two rounds, but they won't really, you don't really learn that much about, you know, these guys we drafted that are now in Nashville and living here and trying to live their dream. It's so fun. And uh, what we're going to do, I'm going to give the pick and then I'm going to have Landon give us uh, and Big Fella if he wants who was on the board that they would have taken and what and kind of grade the pick. Uh, it doesn't have to be A, B, C, or D. You're going to be like, I love that. I hated it. I don't know. Let's go ahead now. I talked about Traylon Burks. I feel. You know, I watch this guy because, you know, I watch SEC football. To really watch, I love to put on the toughest team they played 
and see what happens. What I really liked is the middle part of his game. People praise that. Um, I, you know, he's not your typical 18th pick receiver. I think from years past, but he's he's a bigger than a lot of the guys that went before him. Like I said, he is a poor man's AJ Brown. He's not as explosive. He's not as strong looking. But I'm telling you, what, he has the middle part of his game. I could see him coming and immediately be our best receiver, putting up 800 yards. But I'm telling you. Arkansas had to get creative. Talk about a fun team to watch. They were a little limited at quarterback. They had a guy who was a really good athlete, number one. I don't know who their quarterback was. And Traylon Burks dropped a few passes in those games where the guy, and you see this in college, like he's got to throw that little out, you know, that little in or whatever, and he just throws it absolutely <laughs> as hard as he can. It would just bounce off Traylon Burks' helmet. And it's like, <laughs> and Traylon Burks would get better as the game went on. You know, like sometimes he had some interesting body language early on, but I think he's so competitive and he's, of course, an excellent blocker, and he does have a good frame. And, you know, he doesn't, like, break tons of tackle, but he can't. And he would absolutely put the speed on. When they played Auburn, uh, he and uh, uh, Roger McCreary, they might need to get them in a room this week and uh, let them, uh, you know, patch that up because that was, a, as you might imagine, Arkansas-Auburn, a super physical game. But he comes right after people. I don't want to praise him and say because people have these expectations. I mean, A.J. Brown might go to the Hall of Fame one day. Who knows? You can't put that on a person. And I, I wish I, – I really honestly think if one of the guards had been there, they would have taken a guard at 18 and prayed for Burks at 26 just just to – so it wouldn't be like a like a one-for-one one thing, right? I just know that's – but I think this kid, if you if somebody can play Alabama, Alabama keyed on him, I just hope we use him like Arkansas did, which is crazy. I mean, he was everywhere, and uh, he's just really fun player. So that's my take on Traylon Burks. I'm on board with it. People don't go crazy, but this guy's a football player. He has a high floor. He has a very high floor. I really believe that, you know, uh, not notwithstanding injury. I think with trading A.J. Brown, I think Burks had to be the pick because he was really that last guy in kind of that tier one range where – he has both the size and the measurables because after that, it's like Sky Moore is really short. Christian Watson is a total project. Burks is better than both of them. You can't take that risk. So I think Burks was the right pick. I like the pick. I mean, I think looking at the board is clearly the best option. So I don't want to say I love it. Also, just because, I mean, fair or not, this is where, this is what AJ Brown partially got us. But I think I would give it a solid B just and the player in the range. I feel like it's a little early, but he fits our needs. He has a sneakily outstanding catch radius. I think it was the Texas A&M game. He almost had one of the best catches I've ever seen, but his toe was just barely out of bounds. Like you said, he has all the physical tools. I am a little worried about... I watched that tape today, and he got as close as you possibly could. He shouldn't have even been close to that. And he he was unreal in that game, by the way. I, I would encourage our fans, watch the Alabama, watch the Texas and watch Auburn tape. And you, you, can, you may not feel amazing about the trade, but you, you won't feel terrible after you watch those games. Yeah, I think, I think with Burks, like I've talked about this in some other circles. It's like he kind of reminds me of like worse A.J. Brown. I give A.J. Brown were less of a natural playing football because he doesn't have that same mentality after the catch. He doesn't have that same burst. He doesn't have the same body control. Like He he does stumble a lot on his routes and whatnot, which I think you can certainly work on. But it's like if, imagine if A.J. Brown were just a little bit worse at everything and a bit bigger. That would kind of be what Burks kind of looks like. Well, yeah. imagine what Burks could have been if he had a DK Metcalf too. I mean, 
Yeah, and I don't well, know if it could have been, like, but just physically, because yeah, he they they actually built that offense around him, and uh, so I do think he's got potential. Landon makes the point I did. It's cliche, but he is a poor man's AJ Brown physically, mm-hmm. but he's not a poor poor man's AJ Brown mentally. Like he, I mean, that's a big part of that position. And yes, I don't know that he's ever going to be like this huge twelve hundred yard. 15 touchdown guy. I don't know if anybody's going to be that in our offense, but I'm just saying he fits our offense so well. And the guy is a guy you would absolutely trust down the stretch. I used to say, well, maybe he'd be like Corey Davis. He's not really like Corey Davis because uh, he's much more aggressive like A.J. Brown is. He's just not wearing A.J. Brown's body. Uh, but he's close, and uh, he's a lot of fun. I think our fans are going to love him. Um, Landon, you make great points as always. Uh, big fella, same question to you. Who would you have taken at 18? Uh, and quickly, what do you what do you think of the pick uh, uh, here? Well, I mean, looking at it right now, um, knowing at 18 we still would have had 26. I don't know. I, you know, I try to figure out if we would have traded it away. But um, I we talked for a while about Trevor Penning. I think that's the guy I probably would have taken if it weren't Burks. Um, I'm not as high as I, – I have not been as high on Burks as you guys have been this entire offseason, but, you know, I, I haven't watched as much tape as you guys. I've watched some of it, and he looks he looks the part. So I don't blame J-Rob for doing it, especially if things were never going to work out with A.J. Brown and it got to a, a, just a bad point. But I think if Burks isn't the pick at 18, I would have taken Penning. And then if we still hung on to 26, I actually really like Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. He would have been interesting, and he would have been – we probably don't really need another edge rusher, but with the way quarterbacks have kind of developed in the league, I think he would have been a really interesting pick. Um, and I also like George Karlaftis, too, out of Purdue. Um, but I, I think I would have preferred Johnson at 26 if we stayed. I think right now, being in the position we were, I'm fine with Burks. Um, and, and I think he was the best pick available. I might have gone a different way, but it's not to say that my way would have been better than Burks. All right, guys, let's get into the lesser discussed after first round. Of course, we traded back from 26. The thing we always dream of doing, we did it. Uh, I want you guys to tell me about the value that we got um, cons- compared to what like your standard is or maybe what other teams got for trading back over the years or last uh, Thursday, and then we'll talk about Roger McCreary. Uh, what would you, who would you guys have picked at thirty-five, and um, like, who did we leave on the board that's most kind of, kind of potentially haunt you? And uh, what did you think of McCreary at uh, at thirty-five? We'll start with you, Landon. At thirty-five, McCreary really shocked me. He was more of a late second rounder. I mean, just because he's not that big, he's not that fast, and he has the second shortest arms of any corner. Any cornerback drafted ever, which is an issue. Oh, for me. don't tell us that. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Like, so just guys at the same position Kyler Gordon from Washington, Andrew Booth from Clemson. I would have loved Booth, but I wonder if his injury, I believe he had a herniated disc. I wonder if that pushed them away from him. I would have gone Gordon or Booth if we were going cornerback. I do wonder if we were. Considering Christian Watson and double dipping a receiver, but Green Bay might have sniped us in that case. But so, with actually with McCreary, I do get why they like him because if you go to YouTube, you search Roger McCreary, Road to the Pros, Road to the Draft, Auburn did like a hour and a half documentary on just like his mm-hmm. offseason process of getting to the draft and all that. Oh, he's and super he, aggressive and locked in. Uh, yeah, he but, seems like yeah. 
Like, like he's a great kid. I can totally see why they fell in love with him because he's got first round tape. It's just a matter of he's lacking in that in the physical tools department. I mean, I think he's safe. I mean, he's going to be a solid NFL corner. Like he'll be better than what Jackrabbit was for us last year. <laughs> but Gordon just has such a high physical ceiling. And Booth, Booth wasn't didn't quite have the tape, but he's bigger, faster, longer. I mean, like were they just worried about drafting another injured corner early? But I get. I get why they drafted McCree. He just doesn't feel like that high of a ceiling, but he's he's not going to bust. He's going to be a solid NFL player. My question is just Gordon and Booth have that have just a much higher upside. Yeah, they had two guys that everybody had talked about way more, big fella, but uh, they have done a pretty good job in the secondary of they're not really looking thinking five years from now. They they go fit. They go scheme and they go fit. And sure. I gotta say they've they've done a pretty good job. I think he just kind of he joins a team back there because obviously when they're doing well they they follow a certain philosophy and I guess maybe long arms don't matter. Logan Ryan didn't have long arms, but it was like it seems a little high to kind of go with a, like a, a workman like kind of piece there. But yeah. uh, they like him and they got a pretty good track record back there. Yeah, no, of course, and I think he's he's a physical dude, and that's kind of what that fits the J Rob and the the Vrabel mentality, and I think. Um, that's kind of what they were going for. And I mean, based on J Rob's history as a talent scout, I think we kind of got to just trust him on not taking Booth or Gordon. I personally like Booth better. I watched some of his tape and I thought he would have been a great pick at 35, but I, you know, I get McCreary and I'm not, I'm not hating on it. Landon, I swear I've, I've never been sold on a guy by you specifically more than I was on Christian Watson. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. eh, you know, whatever. And even if we, even with Burks at eighteen, I was like, all right, we're we're gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually I, thought we might <laughs> double dip. That's what's yeah. so funny. I know I get crazy on that, but and yeah. you know, I mean, you you talked him up so much, and then I started watching him. I'm like, oh my god, we we could do it. <laughs> and you know, sure enough, uh, the Packers took him at thirty four, and um, I think I saw a report somewhere that the Packers really wanted Burks anyway. Um, so it was yeah. kind of probably just like playing mind games with us. But I think at 35, I would have. Uh, you guys are gonna probably kick me for this, but I really liked Kenneth Walker III out of Michigan State. He reminds me of Le'Veon Bell, not just because of Michigan State, but their their running style and the way they played. And I thought he could be a great guy to spell Henry, but also you know somebody to eventually you know carry the crown. And I I think that's saying a lot. But I thought he would have been a really interesting fit as like a smash and dash. Yeah, I think we had other needs there. He's a good player. I like the kid from Iowa just as, as much or better. But, yeah, I just want your opinion there. And yeah. and I get it. I know you love those bruisers, and our running game is super important. Uh, we are going to talk about that position a little bit later. Third round was marked not just for us, but when is Malik Willis going to go? <laughs> this seems obvious, and I, I know we talked before. Once a guy, at least with potential, especially if he is good, not only that, he would fit our offense really well. Not just that he might hit, is that obviously we seem like a good fit for him, the kind of the, the way we run now. We're always going to be run first. Malik Willis goes uh, 86th overall. We trade up a little bit and get him. You guys know I've talked about him. I, I would have probably taken a, a even early first-round flyer on him if I really needed a quarterback. Um, I think it's this league is cyclical. We know that. I think there was a reaction after Josh Allen hit. And then, of course, you know Patrick Mahomes isn't like a perfect 
like specimen at quarterback, but he's got a huge arm and he's really athletic, you know, uh, in his own way. It's like, I think they overcorrected. We saw Jordan Love go. We saw Trey Lance. Oh, Trey Lance. Yeah. Both those guys have not looked good in early action. And I think maybe not totally, but there's an overcorrection. Like you just see what a project these guys are. I think Malik Willis to a certain degree was a victim of that. Uh, he's not really tall or whatever, but he's got enough tape. Almost every team, unless they just have an absolute, absolute franchise quarterback, after you've gone around twice, I think it's kind of think start scratching that ticket off because the guy could be really fun just coming in or being a backup. There's no pressure. Uh, we get this guy at the end of the third. Who knows? We may never hear from him. We may never whatever. But I just thought for me it was a no brainer. Is there anybody we left on the board, Landon, that that, that maybe we should have took? Uh, what do you? Obviously, everybody's talked about this for days. What do you think of the pick? I mean, I think it's an easy A plus, and that was my opinion as we drafted him because we talked about it with Tannehill earlier. It's like we we've this current iteration of the roster has kind of hit its ceiling, and this draft this year was reloading because we added another cornerback, we added another developmental tackle, we added a project quarterback, we traded AJ Brown. Our team right now is worse than it was last year. We're in a worse place of contending. Than we were last year, and that's okay because you want we want to extend it for the long haul. Because if this draft class works out, you've got Petit Fryer as a starting tackle on a rookie deal. You've got Willis, and you just have to reload sometimes. I think Willis was an A plus pick. I watched, I think it was ten games of him. I think I saw him throw over the middle like five times, which does worry me because you can't only throw outside the numbers in the NFL. He does have a lot of hero ball tendencies. He has to work out. I mean, like, just the physical tools, I never really watched him that that in-depth, and then I watched him because we drafted him, and, I mean, the running is a little weird because I don't... I feel like his burst is kind of sneaky because he doesn't really explode through the hole, as I was as expecting, but when he builds up speed, he really gets going, and his arm is just unreal. I mean, he lacks touch, but he can sling it. He's definitely a project. I think if he didn't play the first two years of his rookie deal... It wouldn't surprise me just because you're pretty much building up his passing game from the ground up. But we've just seen, like, you can build your offense around a strong-armed athletic quarterback and cover his deficiencies, and that works out. Especially, like, if he starts next year, we have three years of a cost-controlled quarterback. We've got almost, like, $30 million more million to spend on talent around him to help him out than we did if we had Tannehill. Well, what about you, big fella? I mean, the money makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I don't know I, even if they've gone down that far. We'll just see if something happens. But I would think they would like for Tannehill to be the starter the next two years. I really do. I think they need to. They know that they need to learn and put them in a better situation. Landon says maybe our window uh, closed, but I don't necessarily think that it is. It didn't open any water when we traded our best receiver. <laughs> but I think this is a bit of a reboot in a way. But I don't know. They still think they can win a championship. I really do. Yeah, uh, they think that. And uh, yeah, it seems narrow. But I mean, this team could absolutely, in the right spot, the way they're built, they could just. Oh, man, if they just all hit at the right time and they put Tannehill in the right position. I know maybe I'm making excuses, but we've seen that before. It was such a talented team clicking at the right time. I can't even still can't talk about that game. Big fella, what did you think of Willis, Heart of Hearts? Uh, did, is that where you would have won? Just just give me your take. Yeah, no, I, I like you. I thought we if, 
if we were really going to take a quarterback, I thought we would trade up at the end of the first round to get him on that 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 fifth year deal. But I mean, A plus uh, value is perfect. Uh, I was looking at an article, not a, a stat the other day that um, had he been drafted in the first round, his overall contract as a rookie would have been fifty million dollars. And now that he's drafted at eighty six, um, his contract value is five million dollars. So, but then again, I mean, it's a kid from Liberty, like. He made it to the NFL. Like it, it, it's, it's a Cinderella story, right? And he's a really humble guy. A really, he's a titan. I mean, he's a good dude. He's he's so he's definitely worth the scratch off ticket. And everybody's been saying that he's the best quarterback in this draft. And I tend to agree. I mean, the only one you can, I guess, compare him with right now is is Pickett. And Pickett has a higher Pick, floor, but he right. certainly doesn't have close to the ceiling. No, of course, not at all. And I mean, Malik Willis, he could, you know, he could blow this thing out of the water and he could make Tannehill, uh, you know, eventually just a memory. Um, I think we're going to use him in sub packages and, you know, create some plays for him as a rookie. We're not going to ask him to do too much, but, you know, he's going to get mentored. I hope we do that. That'd be fun. And oh, I, think I hope Tannehill yeah. under, gets on board by then. He'll either, he'll be mentored by Tannehill or, you know, I think, kind of the things that Tannehill said lends it, it grabs the attention in the ear of a ton of NFL veterans. So if it's not Tannehill, he's going to get mentored by somebody, um, whether it's like Eddie George or I know Kurt Warner has been incredibly vocal about Tannehill and, you know, uh, the things that he said. And uh, so there are guys that notice this kind of thing. And I think, you know, his development is going to be great. And it's going to be a fun thing to watch. And if it doesn't work out, whatever. It's it's an 80, it's a third round pick. Our next pick here, uh, Nicholas Petit Freer, I believe. Uh, of course, he's the big tackle from Ohio State. I guess not really withstanding him. I I would have thought we would have done more on the offensive line. I know they take what what kind of falls to them, but uh, you know we moved on from Saffold, who battled injuries and stuff. But he was so good. I do not feel great about our offensive line at this point in our offseason. I guess I've done that before. Uh, I don't like our depth. Uh, somebody, one of you, please make me feel better about it. <laughs> but for ear, why not? I mean, they, they like to take a guy like they do since the Robinson years. Not, uh, oh, he's already what he is. They always go on how good a guy can be. Well, he has the frame and the athleticism. He just needs to learn this or that when you teach him. And they've done pretty well on this. Everybody talks about Raddins like – I mean, come on, Raddins, we're going to know in like three years. He's going to be like Johnny Smith. We can't judge him now. But, of course, the guard that we took a few years ago from Charlotte, he's wound up pretty good. What do you guys think about him? Who do we leave on the board? And are you guys scared about our offensive line? I, I'm I'm honestly always scared about our offensive line. We've seen some, some true tragedies on that line, especially with Questenberry. I don't care what Pro Football Focus said about how good quote unquote good he was, he was a liability all year long. Um when Luan got hurt, liability. It's just you know, Saffold get goes out, we've got Aaron Brewer coming out, which Aaron Brewer was probably like our best backup lineman, but the the Kendall Lamb show was a joke and it was just it was <clears throat> it was a mess. Um so I think Petit Ferrier I he's big He's played at a big school, so that's, uh, I guess, one up on Raiden's that, that he has. I don't know. I mean, I, I still think that 
after the draft and, you know, leading up to the offseason, I think once we get that Julio Jones money back, we're going to sign some free agent offensive linemen because, like you're saying, like, it, we're not there. We don't have – I don't I don't know if we have our starting five yet. I think Radens obviously, is going to have to play. That's been made very clear. So you've got – Yeah, clearly they yeah. think he'll be ready to play, and I think he could be ready to play. He could be. But and they clearly I, I think that, <laughs> or we'd yeah, be right. in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they don't think that, then I don't know what's going on. Really, you're looking at Taylor Luan and Ben Jones cementing that line, which is great. And, I mean, Nate Davis is okay. He's probably an average starting right guard. I don't I, I don't feel like he wins any contests here. but And Ben Jones is getting up there in age, but he still plays his butt off, and he's the... You know, I think one of the best free agents that we've had in quite some time, especially for the offensive line. So there are there are holes to plug in, and it'll be interesting to see which guy you know steps up. I think we've talked about Radens; he needs to get bulkier, um, and you know he might have a future in this league. As a rookie, he didn't show it, so I'll be interested to see what the competition's like. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't feel great, but I don't feel horrible. I don't know how I did this, but we picked Nicholas uh, Petit uh, Freer. Uh, we picked him in the fifth pick of the third round, not bef- not after. But equals, I guess I was just so hair on fire to talk about Willis with you guys. Yeah, that's fine. Um, we left uh, Abraham Lucas from Washington State on the board, offensive tackle. We left uh, uh, Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan. There have been a lot of talk about him, offensive tackle. Also on the board at the time, we picked uh, Petit Freer. Uh, Dylan Parham, the guard or center from Memphis that a lot of people liked. Sean Ryan from UCLA is a guard. And lastly, a guy I don't think we would have liked, uh, Logan Bruss, a guard from Wisconsin. A lot of options on the board. Uh, is he the guy you would have picked there? And um, what, what do you quickly think of of, uh, of Petit Freer? I would have gone with Parham there. I was a little big fan, obviously a little biased because he went to Memphis. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think – so Radins is going to be right tackle. I would feel good with Parham at left guard. And, I mean, this is – so both our third-round picks and Petit Fryer and Willis should not be on the field their rookie year because Petit Fryer has all the physical tools you want. He's really lying his feet. He's got a good frame. But, and his good is good. His bad just snowballs into worse and worse into awful. Like Aiden Hutchinson just – Aiden Hutchinson is probably the reason why he wasn't drafted 30 picks earlier because he was just running by on every single play. And I like the pick in a, in a meta sense of offensive tackle is really valuable. It's hard to find the guys with the right physical tools. In the past, we have survived with guys that don't exactly have much talent. But I mean, two third-round picks that you hope that barring extreme development and training camp that you don't want on the field when we're trying to contend in some capacity right now is frustrating because I mean the 69th pick and the 86th pick those can be two starters for you and we went another direction with two blue chip guys or guys with blue chip physical tools who if they hit our steals but if not I mean those are two starters right there those that's our third starting receiver that we could have really used that's a starting guard, so I understand the logic. I was just not a huge Petit Fryer fan, 
I think it gets a C- minus for me just because offensive tackle is really valuable, and he mm-hmm. had enough flashes that it's not a bad pick. They were sticking to philosophy because that's kind of how they roll with that, and it can be disappointing. <laughs> the tough thing about this big fella is I don't know why we do this ourselves. We look at who we didn't pick, and then we have to like <laughs> see them who justify on, like, it. Right? Uh, well, on an NFL ticket, be like, oh god, you yeah. know, Parham's gonna like knock somebody out. He's gonna be awesome for a while. It's just gonna be like, ah. I don't know why we do that. Let's do lightning <laughs> round, boys, and finish this up. So we'll start with so big fella. Give us the quick lightning round take on Hassan Haskins, uh, the running back from Michigan. I immediately watched this tape. Yeah. I was watching uh, the fourth round, of course, and uh, I was like texting. You ever do a group text and you look down and you've done the last last uh, eight? text because everybody else has a life and a wife and they were out <laughs> doing stuff but uh Hassan Askins is really looks like a res- like a college receiver uh height wise but he's really tough and uh yeah I mean he wasn't slow but he wasn't like he didn't jump off the page but I'm telling you the guy was kind of impossible to tackle in the Big Ten he was really fun to watch so again they go with what they do the guy is tough as nails and kind of fun and kind of spunky what did you what do you think of uh Haskins here well, you know, me and big 10 guys, you know, yeah. that's where, that's where you get some gritty players. And just like you're saying, he's, he's tough. He kind of, uh, he reminds me a little bit of like Maurice Jones drew just in his, he's compact and, you know, he packs a punch and Landon was giving us a take, uh, you know, via text. And he's, he's a foot taller than yeah. Maurice Jones. Well, that too, that too. I mean, you saw him on stage, right? In 2017. So you would know. <laughs> Those Big Ten guys, they're all physical, and that's what I love the most about it. And, you know, he's a guy that can come in for Henry. Like, I just imagine, you know, I I look at it as we get in the fourth quarter, and after Henry wears down defenses, you know, this is a guy who can, you know, continue delivering punches. You know, so Henry can get a breather and he can just kind of shuck dudes and he can he can just run into you and, you know, make you regret tackling him. And that's kind of what we need. And Landon, um, you know, he we were, we were texting when he was drafted. It's he, like this guy, he may get tackled right at the line of scrimmage, but he's going to drag you for a yard or two and always get three to four every carry. So that's what we I don't need think I saw those, the guy push those back tough games. I mean, he was yeah. incredible. So uh, worth 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 the draft right here. W- worth worth taking him. Um, as a project guy, obviously we don't need an RB one, but you know, well, I hope we don't need an RB one. You, you made a joke that we're going to trade Henry now. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't make that joke. I know I don't <laughs> want to upset you when you're on vacation. Uh-huh. Uh, and with Haskins, he does have I don't want to say legit pass protection. Like he's not amazing, but he is pretty defendable, and he had some pretty nasty uh, held blocks. So he is the kind of guy where yeah, he's not giving you a ton of receiving value because. You said he isn't slow. I would disagree. I think he is slow. I think my comp was like a tractor, both good and bad. But I mean, this is a guy where you can keep our <laughs> short yards philosophy of if it's second and two, third and two, we can line up under center. He'll drive forward for that tough two yards. But also, unlike Henry, it's a lot easier to also go into a passing concept and trust Haskins to pass block compared to Henry. He kind of looks like a slower, smarter Deontay Foreman. I just keep comping our draft picks to guys that we let go for baffling reasons this offseason. But <laughs> yeah, it did, like, I did occur to me. Why don't we uh, put a pick on a guy? We could have just paid him like three million dollars or whatever because yeah, he was pay, so good last f- year. Pay Foreman instead of Jeff Swain. Why not? 
Uh, Lane is not ever. Well, I mean, you know, Haskins had thirteen hundred yards in the Big Ten and twenty well, yeah. touchdowns. I mean, I mean yeah, he's, he's really not fast. Assist. I wouldn't call him slow, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he went about where he was, but he's tough. I mean, he's exactly what we'd be looking for. Yeah, my question is just like he had one run of over twenty yards, yep. and it was uh, he ran through a guy and kept going. So he, I think he's definitely in like that bottom tenth, fifth percentile of speed at running back, which. And our yeah, offense right. isn't the end of the world. There's value in short yards, but I mean, it's just like yeah. But a slow running back is not a, ever a yeah, great I mean, running back. At the anymore. very least, he's like six foot six one two thirty. He's six two two twenty eight. The guy's legitimately big. He looks like a receiver. <laughs> yeah. If he were actually fast, he'd be a receiver because clearly. But uh, he's just really tough. And I mean, I, I think it's kind of good on a third down thing, and especially if he'll learn to block better. He certainly's got the body for it. So. I don't know. He's not slow, but I mean, I think it'd be interesting. I like when they take flyers at other positions, but because I feel like you can find like a, a, a Dante Foreman, but I mean, I don't hate the pick. I love the tape. Chikozame Okonkwo, the Maryland tight end. We picked him in the 38th pick of the fourth round, one of our comp picks, I believe. Uh, what do you think of him, Landon? Oh, I'm super excited for Okonkwo. He was nice. one of those tight ends since we didn't have a second round pick to get that top guy. I was hoping we draft on day three because. He's like this weird athletic H-back. Maryland used him a lot. Like yeah. He lines up at H-back. He lines up at inline. He lines up at slot. He was the fastest tight end. He ran 4-5-2. He's kind of cheating at being listed at tight end because he's only like 6-2, 240. But he is yeah, legitimately he's got him fast. Yeah, he's 6-3, 238. And he, he's like Johnny Smith smaller. Like He's not like your typical present-day tight end. He does have a lot of untapped receiving upside because this last year, they finally started using him. He had like... Almost 60 catches, 600 yards, which is great for Maryland tight end. And I watched a bunch of tape I could find. And all of his stuff is like he runs a five-yard out route. He catches it. He gets three yards after the catch. I'm just really confused because he has these bits. He has these bursts where they use him as a seam stretcher and he goes down the field. And he looks amazing because he's 6'2", 240, and he's blazing by guys. Why are you not using him? I'm really excited because I think he can be our tight end two right out the gate. Hooper is a good blocking tight end, so mm-hmm. Okonkwo, you don't have to worry about that, even though he's solid. He's the modern NFL tight end if he develops because he's a good enough blocker and he's super athletic. And like with Burks and a kind of archaic, not that good offensive scheme, there's a lot of receiving production left on the table because he was only getting dump offs and having to run for everything. If Landon's excited, <laughs> heck, I know we're excited, so I love to hear it. All right, quickly, yeah. guys. Um, man, that's good. Uh, and he does he does pass the test well, there. And, and, and we've he, made a guy like that work before, John. Right. He, he fits that Delaney Walker mold, you know, size-wise. I think he's a pretty close clone. Um, and I was just reading a little bit more about him now. And he, he sat out the whole 2020 season because of an inflamed heart. So his heart was too big, all right? Come on. Man, his <laughs> too big. <laughs> uh, big. Big fella, what do you know about Kyle Phillips? Uh, other people are excited about him. He's it could be a good possession guy down the road. Don't see a, like the, a guy like this drafted a ton, but, you know, we fall in love with guys. Uh, Kyle Phillips, 5'11", 189 from UCLA. I don't know a whole lot of him, a lot about him, but I've heard some some people on our fan boards kind of raving about him that he was a perfect pick at the spot. Um, but I, I will tell you the truth, I don't know enough about him yet. Well, we'll yeah, go to somebody that can tell us both. Uh, Landon, you, you, Landon, you tell us about Kyle Phillips. So he was one of those draft sleeper guys. I saw a lot of like analytical guys going like, if you want a pure slot receiver, 
that does slot stuff. Kyle Phillips is that guy and nothing more. Which in the fifth round has value because watch the tape. He, he's like your prototypical white slot receiver. Like He's good at get, making those small bits of separation with herky-jerky route running. He's got really good hands, great body control, great spatial awareness. He blocks a lot. And especially with the scheme UCLA was running, they used him coming in motion across the formation to cut off and seal the edge, which is really impressive for a slot receiver. And our offense, that's really big because we ask our receivers to block a ton, especially in the slot. He's sure-handed. He's dependable. And their quarterback was more of an athlete, kind of like what Burks had going on, than an actual passer because I saw a lot of production that was just left on the field because Phillips is a guy where you have to trust him. Like The window isn't that big, but you fit in there, he's making that catch. He doesn't have much speed at all. He ran 4.58. He looked a bit slower than that. And he doesn't really jump that high. He's kind of small, has short arms. So it's like he's your prototypical slot receiver, like white, scrappy, tough, but also he can block pretty hard. Is he is he a poor man's Renfro? I don't feel no, I don't want to go really that far good. because Renfro, Renfro <laughs> a really poor man's Renfro. Renfro. I think he's a I think he's a poor man's uh, what's his name the guy from Clemson that we had a couple years ago that couldn't say healthy. Yeah, Adam Humphreys. I think I think he's more like he, poor man's Humphreys. He, yeah, he serves that Adam Humphreys role if he had less because Humphreys had more speed. But Phillips is a good bit bigger, and I feel like he'll be a better blocker. Renfro is just so agile. Like Phillips isn't agile, but it's more like he has good body control and ability to turn. Renfro is like lightning fast in his movements. He's super agile. And Renfro is just a guy where it's like, it's hard to see those profiles working out until they do, but they're generally the exception to the norm. I mean, that's solid. I mean, we saw, because Humphreys was good in a vacuum. The problem was we were paying him like $8 million to be a guy that caught like three catches, 30 yards, moved the chain three times. Guys, our next two picks are two guys that I think we could see on the roster, but they'd be on special teams. Uh, best of luck to both of them. Chance Campbell, Theo Jackson. A lot of people, a lot of great things to say about Theo Jackson. Uh, I did not occur that he would have an NFL career, but these guys uh, can work really hard. They've got pretty good size for special teams. Uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, maybe talk about those uh, uh, on on a deeper track, but uh, one day. Uh, overall, guys, uh, as we as we kind of wrap up. What grade do you give our draft? Um, what's your biggest question? What, what did you like most? Just kind of your parting thoughts here. Uh, we'll start with you, Landon. I want to split my grade up into year one and year three just because we had so much developmental stuff in this draft. Year one, I think it's going to end up being, I'll, I'll play it safe and say a C just because I do think Burks is just going to be so impactful. McCreary should be a starter or a nickel. Then a Conquo and Phillips, I mean... There's literally nothing blocking Phillips from being the wide receiver three by default. So skinning four contributors early on is valuable, but having two third-round picks, you're hoping ride the bench does dock it. Year three, it really depends on what Petit Freer and Willis turn into, but if they're even just starters, I think that bumps us up to an easy A because getting a starting tackle, starting quarterback, starting receiver, starting corner, potentially a starting tight end, and a rotational receiver, that's... I mean, we saw like in 2019, they probably won't have the star power, but if you hit on every single pick and you just fill out the holes in your roster, that's a really good draft. So I'll say C, I'll say C year one just because not many guys are going to be doing that much. And hopefully year three, it's going to be an A because Willis 
is the answer quarterback and petite fryer is an average tackle. Hmm. All right, big fella, follow that up. What did you think of the draft? Heart of hearts. You know, I, th- I thought it was good. Um, I think obviously the AJ Brown distraction made it feel worse than it was. I think year one, I think it has a potential probably to be a B because if Traylon Burks comes in and blows the doors off, then I think everything we did was worth it. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't want to be a worse team at the end of the season. We might, but we we may not be a better team week one. But I would hope that by the end of the season, you know, we're we're firing on all cylinders. We're still competitive. We're in the playoffs. Um, hopefully, number one seed. Although, actually, you know, I think that kind of bit us in the butt. So maybe we don't need to be the number one seed. But I really think, you know, kind of like Landon, I think Malik Willis is really going to be. Um, you know, linchpin of this draft and kind of see what he turns out to be. Um, I really like Conquo. I think he'll be interesting to watch. So I, I'd, I'd probably stick with the B with the possibility, like Landon said, to go to an A. I also think, um, you know, if Burks doesn't perform to an AJ Brown, AJ Brown level and AJ Brown goes to Philly and makes one or two all pro years, we're just going to be like looking at this as like, well, that's the year that J Rob got fired. And that's the year that Vrabel, um, you know, got his, his walking papers. So it could be I all agree. over the place. It's, uh, even more so than most of because of that trade that there's just so many ways this could go good or bad. It's so yeah. pivotal. Everybody <laughs> knows that and it makes it fun. It also makes it terrifying, <laughs> but it could go in the middle too. I, I don't know if Willis, even if Willis doesn't pan out, I think people are going to say, ah, it was worth it. I think the sure. Burks thing, fairly unfairly, it's going to hinge on Burks. But for me, as long as he's good, I mean, and has a good high floor, I mean, and this team continues to win. I mean, yeah, you can see it. But, uh, you know, trading a superstar like that, I mean, wow. I I see where it's coming from and not get huge value. It could still really work out for them, but you, there's just not a script for it. We don't see it a lot. Guys, that's going to be it for us. Uh, appreciate Landon and John getting on with us as always. Uh, we know you guys have been pumped and excited uh, for the last week like us. Lots of stuff to talk about. We've been on the front page. Um, we're going to be here and see. Time, guys, we were just talking about this will be our uh, going into our fourth season doing this uh, this podcast. So uh, we're going to be here with you, and we'll figure out. We're going to solve this mystery of how good this draft class was. So uh, that's exciting. Thanks for being with us uh, Last week, I taught somebody how to uh, use a podcast uh, just so they could listen to my podcast. Shameless, I know, <laughs> but please do that for us this week. Uh, people still, you'd be amazed that don't really know how it works, and but they're holding an iPhone, so just uh, Apple Podcasts or if they're Spotify or whatever, please just share us out. And We just love doing this, and uh, always uh, connect with us on Twitter if you want. And until then, guys, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. <laughs>